calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Geek Buddies were bringing you an incredible episode. What if they were bringing you a spoiler review of the second episode of uh, What If? And what if it was pretty awesome? Well, it is going to be awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another spoiler review for What If Episode 2. Oh, shit. T'Challa is Star-Lord. That's literally the name of the episode, I think. Anyway, we're going to get into it all and break it all down here, spoiler-wise. Um, and we'll introduce ourselves in just a second. But before we start, we should say we are the Geek Buddies! Hey! That was I was not prepared for such a uh, on-brand opening. That was really something. Listen, this is the last of my energy for today, so enjoy it. And I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to crash by the end of this review. We'll see what happens. But uh, normally, I know we usually have four people joining us. Uh, and unfortunately, Emma Five cannot join us this week. She emailed us this morning. Sadly, she has contracted COVID. We're not sure what level or she's been in contact. Is that what it is? In contact with someone who has COVID or ha does she have COVID? What was the email? Did it say specifically that she had COVID? What do you gentlemen remember? I, I do not recall. Okay. All right. So but, I don't want to. Regardless. She's not here. 
regardless. She's not here, and we wish she her the best. Make the show. Yeah, we wish her the best. We hope she's doing okay as well. Yes, and let me read this. Uh, I want to make sure I, I don't misrepresent. She does have COVID. She says her case is pretty mild, but she is exhausted, so she was nervous about coughing through this review. So she does have COVID, so send her some well wishes. Send her some best wishes to make sure she's okay. We certainly have sent her our best wishes, and we hope she recovers and joins us for next week, and we have some fun doing that as well. All right, we should introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff, Shannon. Great stuff, Mike Vogel. All right, we're going to get into this thing. Episode two, what if, what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? Uh, really great exploration, or became Star-Lord, rather. Really great exploration of the how different the world would be uh, if T'Challa had become Star-Lord. Now, we're going to spoil it, so if you haven't watched the episode, go and watch it, and then come on back and hang out with us for the rest of the review. Um, uh, but we're going to go around the horn real quick and tell, give our overall thoughts on the episode, then dive deep into the sections of the episode and break down some of the uh, our thoughts and also some of the Easter eggs. Michael, uh, what did you think overall of this episode coming out of the Captain Carter episode, which some people were some people were not liking too much, did this one feel like maybe it realized the potential of what if could be? Well, I wouldn't say that I didn't like the Captain Carter episode. I mean, yeah. if you listen to our review last week, I loved the Captain Carter episode. Did I it. thought it was great. Yeah. I do think the difference here, and I think we talked about this a little bit. If I, we didn't talk about it on the show, I've been talking to people about it throughout mm. the past week. The Captain Carter episode of What If is fantastic. It is a great Stephen Peggy story. If you love Peggy Carter, you love the episode. But because you're just taking two characters that existed in the same movie and flip-flopping them, yeah. the level of what ifness or the level of the butterfly effect, I guess, is only so much. Like mm -hmm. things definitely got progressively more different from Captain America as the episode went on, but it still very much did kind of follow most of the beats that we know from Captain America, including Peggy going forward in time 70 years instead of Steve. Right. Uh, when you take two character, a character and a concept that are completely separate, like T'Challa and Wakanda and the world of Guardians of the Galaxy and mix those together, the butterfly effect immediately right off the bat is much, much greater. Mm -hmm. um, also because there's a natural time jump in the Guardians of the Galaxy story, we see Yondu pick up uh, T'Challa as a little kid and then we mm -hmm. cut forward, there's also more time for the butterfly effect to take effect more mm. or less yes. so i loved this episode i love captain carter i loved this episode mm. this episode could have been a 90 minute movie and i would have been on board for it wow. it was amazing it was fantastic and it also solidified i think what we talked about last week which is what really makes a what if episode magical the differences are always the fun part the differences are the sugar the icing on the cake it's like oh this character is now this this character is this but the reason we love them is because of what's the same. Mm -hmm. And in episode one, the relationship between Steve and Peggy, no matter how you changed it, was the same. Their relationship was the same. And in this episode, you can take T'Challa and clearly put him anywhere, and he is still going to be the leader that we all know T'Challa to be. And that's what made this episode spectacular to me. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike. And uh, Shannon, what did you think overall? We did, you know, this is the last or supposedly the last time we're hearing Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. Uh, in this particular episode, we don't know if down the road we may see some more from him in this What If series, but right now people are assuming that that is true. What did you think overall of this episode coming out of Captain Carter? 
I mean, yeah, this was this episode was the sushi burrito. I mean, it was taking two <laughs> things that you would not associate with each other and slamming them together, and you got <laughs> something uh, you got something delicious and glorious. I mean, I I loved the Captain Carter episode. I mean, and but again, I like that time period, mm -hmm. and because you know, I I do have such a soft spot for First Avenger. Seeing a twist on that was so much fun. But with this, because it affected so many other characters who we've known for a while, some some very unexpected characters. Mm. Um, I think that's why this one was just so, just so awesome. And uh, I mean, seeing, I, again, like I, I, I don't want to dogpile Peter Quill, but it's kind of like, okay, so T'Challa's awesome and Peter Quill, eh, maybe not so much. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, this episode was so much fun. And, uh, uh, you know, throughout the episode, I was I was conscious uh, as I've been a, a bit emotional for the last eight months or so. Um, I was like, eh, I'm probably going to get uh, get a little uh, misty eyed mm -hmm. with uh, with with Chadwick Boseman's uh, possible last performance voice performance as as uh, as T'Challa. And like throughout the episode, I'm like, no, I got it. I got it. And then something happens at the very end. And it's just yeah. um, but the episode was was a blast and um yeah i mean i can't i've watched it twice now i imagine i will watch it several times before next week yeah no, no doubt i agree with both of you i think this was a fantastic episode i love the captain carter episode as well i really enjoyed it and i think this episode showed you what the potential of this series could really be and i appreciated it for that got as michael said you know with the steven and uh, peggy story there's there's only so many directions you can go and it was there to see in last week's episode that was a fun way to kind of walk back into this situation this is the episode where you get to see what it, you know what we can get and what we can see what we can explore now can change the really how it can really change the universe and the galaxy Overall, by the way, they aren't the Guardians of the Galaxy. They are the Ravagers. There's a difference here, and I think that's what I think is really important. I know people want to dogpile on Peter Quill, and Peter Quill is what forms eventually the Guardians of the Galaxy or the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Because you know what we have when we find out Guardians of the Galaxy two that there was an original Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's necessary for the Guardians of the Galaxy. T'Challa reforms the Ravagers into something completely different, so they never become the Guardians of the Galaxy by name. Yes. They are, in essence, Guardians of the Galaxy, but not by name. They're the Ravagers. And I think that's important to point out just to make a little bit of a defense on Peter Quill, who is sadly mopping the floors of a Dairy Queen when his dad shows up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think Chadwick Boseman did a fantastic job. Everybody coming back here, Karen Gillan, Michael Rooker, Jumman Hansu, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, Kurt Russell as well for that small moment, Sean Gunn. Chris Taserface, Chris Sullivan is back. Seth Green is Howard the Duck. Denai Guerrero even coming in for a little, just one line. And Ophelia Lovabond as Karina. And Carrie Coon, who I think is was criminally underused as Proxima Midnight, coming back to reprise the role. So I love that they got all the actors back to play these roles. It really helped to feel like it was an MCU thing. I've seen some critics or some reviewers saying that they wanted voiceover actors to come in and play these characters. I'm like, I think that would not have worked for me because it would have taken me out of the MCU, and that's a different MCU in my mind. I like they all came back, other than Drax, which was voiced uh, by uh, Fred Tatashore, who's an awesome uh, a voiceover artist uh, uh, who really uh, sounded like Batista. Like he, he really did. Really did sounded job. like him. He did a great job. Yeah, and if you want to enjoy, he can do a Hulk like nobody's business. Go and watch him in some of the animated versions of the Hulk. But overall, I think this was a great, interesting story and the heist story, the triple crosses. All of it was so much fun to see, and we got new kind of interpretations of these characters. Thanos is a good guy. 
Nebula is this sexy, hot kind of song. It looks almost like a songstress, like a femme fatale type thing. Dug it all. It was pretty awesome. So overall, and Korath even as this giggly fanboy. We got so <laughs> much that we didn't expect from this episode, and yet it so worked in great ways. And as Michael said, I too would have sat and watched a 90-minute animated movie just about this. In fact, if Chadwick Boseman uh, was still around, I think there would be something to explore as a possibility, which would be a lot of fun animation-wise. Um, all right, let's jump into the episode. We're going to take it section by section. This is your last spoiler warning. Again, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, and then come on back and hang out with us. We're going to spoil a lot of things as we jump into it. All right, uh, we start off with the standard watcher intro that I guess we're going to get in, in, in front of every show that isn't specific to the actual episode it's just overall the intro to the series uh but he does say one thing uh, after he's done with his opening spiel he talks about uh, a couple other things and then says is your destiny determined by your nature or the nature of your world that's my attempt at jeffrey Wright. anyway we start on morag where a star lord is taking that uh what was it what was he was he stealing was it one of the stones what was the he power stealing? stone the power stone and then uh korath comes in and then we hear Chadwick Boseman's voice uh, for the first time since many of us have heard him uh, in uh, uh, Endgame. Uh, and he reveals himself. And all of a sudden, Korath turns into this massive fanboy. Funny jokes about kneeling or bowing and about him being a self-proclaimed lord. And now he's not comfortable with that. He's just a, it's just a figurative title. Then Korath <laughs> makes a move for that stone says he has to get it for ronan unless you know unless uh t'challa has a job opening well t'challa says they're all fold up and there's back and forth about the usage of a gun which i think is hilarious and then they start to swing at each other and koath actually hits t'challa and he feels self-conscious about it and t'challa says no no this is what we're here for so just do just go faster and in this way t'challa tricks him into punching the uh the electronic uh whatever it was that was protecting the stone force field that it electrocutes uh, uh korath he escapes uh, uh t'challa does with a stun grenade but before he escapes he turns back sees korath lying on the ground and goes ah, and takes him with him um he as he runs out he's converted by a bunch of soldiers he escapes thanks to the help of yondu who's a bit late on the ravager never flies solo line then yondu talks about the old days where he could sell this stone and t'challa reminds him if he it was the old days he'd only have half his ravagers team then he suggests that they could jumpstart the Kalarian Dying Star and save it from extinction with that stone. Uh, and uh, Yondu's like, ah, and, he's, and T'Challa responds, you know as well as I, no treasure is worth as much as the good that can be done with it. They take off. Michael, he's too fucking good for us. God damn it. This is just incredible. He's just such a nice guy. And sure enough, you immediately buy into this change in Yandu, buy into this because of the force of his personality, the charm, and even by the Korath fanboying, which, of course, he wouldn't know who Star-Lord Peter Quill was, but he definitely knows who T'Challa Star-Lord is. What do you think of this opening? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, the Peter Quill introduction in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. despite all anyone's opinions on Peter Quill is a great introduction to Peter Quill. I mean, he's kind oh, of just, he, he, he's doing his whole thing. He's getting this thing. Korath comes in and he's like, I'm Star-Lord. You think it's going to be great? And Korath's like, who? And it's just <laughs> this amazing, fun moment. And he's like, and it's, what's really great is they flip a little bit of stuff around. Like in Guardians, Peter Quill refers to himself as a legendary outlaw. Right. And here, Korath refers to T'Challa as a legendary outlaw. So you can just see that like T'Challa is really walking the walk. Like right off the bat, they're like, this guy is the real deal of what what Peter Quill 
was aspiring to be. Yeah. Um, a couple of fun little changes. Uh, you know, Star-Lord's mask, when he has it on, uh, his eyes are red. Uh, but T'Challa's version of it is purple because purple oh, is yeah. a more Wakandan color. Nice. Um, and just even the idea that, like, T'Challa is so nice and so polite. Uh, even when Korath is like, I have to fight you, he's like, okay. And he almost uses it as a little bit of a training session with Korath. Like, he's yeah. kind of, like, giving him a couple pointers, doing whatever. And the fact that he takes Korath with him at the end kind of is a nice precursor to what we're going to find out about him, which is he collects people. He, yeah. he brings people to his side. Whereas Peter was, you know, had ditched the Ravagers, had ditched Yondu, was getting the Power Stone for himself, was going to sell it for himself. Like, Peter was a loner who found a team. T'Challa mm -hmm. is someone who always brings people into his gravitational pull. Yeah. Um, and so right off the bat, in this scene, we sort of get all of that information right away in a really fun thing that is a kind of just turning the Guardians thing on its head. And then the relationship with him and Yondu is really great because, in a way, it's expected. We know that Yondu's a big softie. We've all seen Guardians 2. We cried when Yondu says, he might be your father, but I'm your daddy. Like, we know what the Yondu-Peter relationship is. And in this one part of the show, what if kind of mirrors that? It doesn't do the opposite. Like, right. Yondu collected Peter, he collected T'Challa, and he sees both of them as kind of a son figure. Um, and as John said, you know, he does sort of, uh, he's reformed the Ravagers. Uh, one correction, he doesn't say you would still have half your team. Oh, he says yeah. you would still have half your teeth. Because oh, Yondu in bad. Guardians okay. has a bunch right. of gold teeth that he's lost over the years. And here, right. he's got all his teeth because he has been reformed. He's a hero. And just the idea that T'Challa took all these characters that in the James <laughs> Gunn universe, in the yeah. James Gunn universe, are all sort of maybe maybe not their best selves or sometimes their worst selves, yep. but in T'Challa's influence have become their best selves is just the perfect way to say, yeah, of course this is what would happen if Black Panther was up there. Of course T'Challa would do right. this to people. So it's kind of just awesome. So teeth and team sound familiar, so I apologize. Yeah, it sounded to me like it was saying teeth, but all right, I'll take the correction. Shannon, what did you think about this whole opening overall, kind of laying the groundwork for what we're going to get in the episode going forward? I mean, walking right in, there's just a difference in the walk of T'Challa mm -hmm. versus Quill. I mean, T'Challa just has this amazing, it's it just a swagger. Like, he yeah. just looks awesome. And when Korath uh, does that same line from Guardians Go, like, you know, you know, drop it, drop it now, um, T'Challa doesn't put his hands up. <laughs> like, he immediately right. turns around, he walks right at him, and and takes the mask off and even he's not expecting the reaction that Korath gives him. He's like, Oh, this is going a little differently than I thought it would. But he, he has the reputation that Quill wanted. And the reason he has it is because he has become this, this uh, intergalactic Robin hood. Mm -hmm. And the fight is so funny. Who knew that Jaiman Hansu was this seriously? Like so he, true. he, so he true. is the comedic MVP and he's the comedic MVP without being silly like it's yeah. just a slight twist to the character there's a lot of comedy in this episode that remains true to the character that they, they can have these incredibly funny moments without making them a joke and i think that's one of the most fun parts to watch and seeing this you know this uh dynamic between yondu and t'challa i mean the yondu quill at the end of guardians 2 like that's a that's a beautiful relationship mm -hmm. and this one is again it's just uh, it's just a slight turn of the dial but just as beautiful 
Yeah, and it and Mike, what you said earlier about Yandu being a softy, it even plays into this situation here because clearly Yandu is is deferential to T'Challa, just like he let Peter Quill get away with the stuff he got away with. It's because he loves him, right? And then here in the same thing, situation, he's developed a love for T'Challa, which is why he's deferential to him, why he was willing to change things, why he's willing to go along with these uh, missions uh, that T'Challa puts out. And with uh, Peter Quill, it was different. It was more that he let Peter Quill get away with this stuff, let him run it because he loved him too much. He didn't want to kill him. And 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 uh, uh, so it's a different point of view, different approach. But both relationships have their charm, and they both work for the their respective yeah. approaches to Guardians or Ravagers. Yeah. Um, another reason also, just really quickly, that Jaiman, yeah. that Korath was so funny, um, a- absolutely 100% true. Jaiman Hansu killed it in this episode. Oh my episode. God, so good. But um, as we've been talking a lot about the animation style for What If, and we've talked about like the idea that the more that you try and keep characters on, on model and in human proportions, the yeah. more they sometimes look a little stiff. If you watch the episode, the animation on Korath is really pushed. His eyes yes. can get a lot bigger. He makes some more cartoony expressions. Like they really let him be a more literally animated character. Um, and I think that served the character really well. And then um, my one other detail that I just, mm. probably one of my little details, and I, I didn't know if we were gonna jump to the next scene at the bar, is the fact that yep. Peter Quill's ship is named the Milano. Yeah. T'Challa's chip, ship is named the Mandela. <laughs> and that pretty much shows you the differences of where these two are coming from as far as their influences in the world. Yeah, that's a fair point. One, <laughs> one being horny for Alyssa Milano, one being horny for peace. I appreciate it. It's pretty good stuff. All right. Anyway, the Watcher takes us back to 1988, and we see we're in Wakanda with the young T'Challa and his dad T'Chaka there. T'Challa, and T- they're looking out, T'Challa and T'Chaka, out on Wakanda. T'Challa talks about wanting to see more of the world. And T'Chaka, because we're in 1988, because we're in that mentality for, that we remember of Black Panther, that Wakanda's kind of shut away from the world, he says there's nothing for them out there. He's been out there, and all he's found is destruction and pain. Uh, then we cut to later on in the night in Wakanda, and young T'Challa's running out into the forest, practicing with a weapon, and ends up venturing out past the protected dome, and suddenly a Ravager ship picks him up or shows up and then picks him up. Uh, and we find out that Yonda has out Yondu has outsourced the picking of Peter of Peter Quill to a couple of his subordinates, Taserface and Craglin. They bring T'Challa aboard, uh, and they he uh, Yondu shows them that a, a white kid in a hologram looks nothing like this uh, black, young black kid they've picked up. And uh, uh, or Taserface says, "Oh." All the humans look the same to me. So very funny kind of play on that a little bit. Uh, but anyway, they, we found out to pick them up earnestly. T'Challa is there asking who they are. Doesn't seem to be overwhelmed. Doesn't seem to be scared or nothing. And and he says to him, well, what, Yonder says to him, what do you look for? He said, I was just out exploring. And he goes, well, if you want to explore, I can show you the whole galaxy. And we cut to a beautiful animation shot of Yondu showing him the whole galaxy. So we assume that he went along with them uh, and uh, was not taken against his will or kidnapped in any way, shape, or form, which I think would have given a bad vibe to the episode overall. We cut to 20 years later. The Mandela is arriving at a club. T'Challa and the Ravagers are celebrating with new recruit Korath, who is fanboying about all the different heists that T'Challa has pulled off. He asks him how he stopped Thanos from taking out half the universe. And just then, Thanos walks up and reveals that T'Challa got him to see the error of his ways. And T'Challa says, sometimes the best weapon you can have in your arsenal is a good argument. And then Thanos still, though, still defends what he was going to do. He says it was an efficient solution 
and uh, um, Craglin all of a sudden getting a, a, a brain in his head says, well, it's still genocide, still genocide. So they go back and forth on that. And then we cut to T'Challa walking up to uh, Drax, who's working as a bartender there. And the reason that's happening is because T'Challa, we find out, saved Drax's world from a Kree invasion and his wife and daughter, who is still alive, takes a selfie with T'Challa. And just then, Nebula shows up. Wow. She is gorgeous in a dress, beautiful blonde hair, looking like this badass femme fatale. They sit down and have a conversation about her issues with the big guy, a.k.a. her dad, Thanos. T'Challa reveals that Wakanda was destroyed, at least according to Yondu, which is good for us to know as the viewers. And she says, I see you save worlds to make up for the one you lost. Uh, and then she says that she has a job for them, and that's to go get them and the Ravagers to go get the embers of Genesis, which are nutrient-rich cosmic dust with the power to terraform dying ecosystems. T'Challa says they can use it to eradicate hunger across the galaxy. Such a good guy. Nebula reveals that the Collector has these embers, which elicits a shudder across everybody, across all the Ravagers sitting there. Uh, and apparently, according to Kraglin, he's the most ruthless kingpin in the intergalactic underworld. And Thanos chimes in, yeah, since I went straight, he saw a vacuum, and Collector filled that vacuum uh, and became the uh, kingpin there. And Yandu does not want to do it. Says it's too dangerous for them and says the Ravagers won't do it. Let's stop here. Shannon, two great scenes to take a look at here. The Wakanda scene, which is really beautiful, taking us back to 1988, and the mentalities that they had in 1988 Wakanda and cutting 20 years later into that club and seeing all the different familiar faces uh, going on. And, and the fact that we've got a job here, a mission uh, to go after something that the collector has. what do you think about all of this? And especially Thanos just waltzing on up, having casual conversations with the ravagers. I mean, this 1988, this is only a few years away from the opening of Black Panther. So this yes. worldview that T'Chaka has, this is perfectly in line that yeah. he does have, kind of Wakandan kind of spies out there trying to like keep an, keeping an eye on the world. But ultimately he's like, yes, inside, inside this dome, inside Wakanda, this is where we are safe. You yeah. like, he doesn't want his son to go out there. And then T'Challa doesn't storm off like a petulant child, even though he actually is a child. He, he's just, you know, practicing with that weapon. And then he ends up uh, getting, getting taken by, by the two ravagers and watching uh, uh, Yondu's reaction to them showing up, being like, "Does this does this look like the same kid?" So freaking funny. And the reason, I mean, really good storytelling. The reason that they thought it was him is we got this energy signature, and an energy signature that right. Quill would have produced is apparently not that dissimilar from the energy signature that a a uh, vibranium uh, stockpile, a vibranium uh, mountain. Uh, issues as well so again super super clever storytelling to be like this is why they thought this was the kid right. and then as they get to the bar and we meet thanos we meet good guy thanos that's about nine minutes in and, and i actually tweeted like nine minutes into what into the next episode of what if and my jaws on the ground <laughs> and because the way this is another one of those slight turns of the dial because this is very much still thanos but just with with having that slight different worldview that T'Challa provided, he he becomes a good guy, essentially. Like, he sees, like, yep, what I was going to do would have worked, but I get your point that this might be the better way, but the plan would still work. Mm -hmm. um, the moment that we meet Drax, uh, Tatashore does such a great job. If we didn't know it was Batista, or that it wasn't Batista, I fully would have believed it, because... Mm. His performance is so good. That very literal humor that he has, super funny. And then getting to meet Femme Fatale Nebula, who, <laughs> the, what a great nickname, Cha-Cha. Like, 
Like, I don't know if that's ever been said in the comics, but that is a dynamite, dynamite nickname. And as they start talking about the heist, you, you get some of those sort of um, same percussive instruments that we got in Endgame during when they're talking about the time heist. So I was like, oh, this is this is just hitting hitting all the nostalgia buttons right now. It's like it's it's different, but it's the same. And it was a blast. Yeah. What do you think about this, Mike? I mean, 1988 and it says 20 years later, that's 2008. That's when Iron Man came out. That's when Hulk came out. So uh, interesting to put the timeline around that time when all this stuff is happening with the galaxy and Thanos being because the thing is, as much as you may you may think of Thanos as a villain. His whole point was, if I eradicate half the galaxy, things will work smoothly. We won't have hunger. We won't have any problems. People will be able to afford things financially. It'll be just a better world overall. We've overpopulated because we weren't careful about how we did things. And so this new approach from T'Challa seems to be working on Thanos. He's been converted to the other side because they can actually feed the whole world, possibly feed the entire galaxy, and it can be okay. So what did you think about this whole presentation in these first two, in these two scenes, rather, uh, with T'Challa as a young man and T'Challa as an older man affecting other people in the Ravagers? Well, I think it does a really good job of showing off that we that, that you can change people's, to Shannon's point, you can change them from being bad to good or change their role in a story while still keeping their worldview the same. Uh, right. You know, T'Chaka, like you were saying, T'Chaka's worldview here is very much in line with T'Chaka's worldview of Black Panther. And even yeah. though this is more of a Guardian story, uh, young T'Challa wanting to explore, wanting to see what's outside is also very in keeping with what the themes of the Black Panther movie are. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities there to play with. Uh, one little detail that I thought was really great visually, I never quite realized it before, but uh, the, you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy, hexagons are sort of how we open up the little space mm. jump portals. Right. And in Wakanda, uh, the force field is made up of hexagons. So when T'Challa kind of throws his spear out and it kind of goes through the hexagon out into the thing, in a way, it's kind of a visual sort of nod to the fact that he's about to literally travel through space and it's a similar <laughs> visual motif. Um, also loved that when uh, Taserface and Cryoglin pick him up, the shot is literally the same. I mean, they mm -hmm. really go for like, it is the same shot that we get with Peter Quill and Guardians, just with T'Challa standing there. Um, as far as the Thanos thing, like this is where Marvel is, this is where Marvel is really great in that they're not afraid to kind of wink and nod to the audience. Yeah. They like Thanos, they built Thanos up to be the biggest bad in the Marvel universe, leading us all the way into Infinity War and Endgame. And he's supposed to be this horrible guy that did all these bad things. And to Shannon's point, he's justified a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but he's the big bad guy. So to all of a sudden have him show up here and go, oh yeah. I was thinking about doing that, but uh, yeah, T'Challa, he pointed out that I was wrong. It's so great. And the fact that they're willing to sort of take everyone's argument that we all gave, you know, like we all like Thanos was like, this is my plan. And we're like, okay, you know, there's other ways you could do that than just destroying half the, and having the people within this show kind of go, you know, that's genocide. And he's like, oh, it would have worked. It would have worked. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun and it kind of shows you how far you can push all these what if stories. Yeah. Um, beyond that, you know, I think it's really interesting that the elixir of life, what is it called, Shannon? The, uh, the, the, Embers, the embers of Genesis. Of Genesis. The embers of Genesis or elixir of life that I just made up. Sure. The embers <laughs> of Genesis. Actually, what T'Challa wants to use them to do is solving Thanos' problem. Which I think mm -hmm. is kind of a nice, you know, Thanos' whole issue was people are hungry, people are starving, there's not enough resources, right. and you have this thing, and the, the, the thing that is the MacGuffin that's going to drive this whole heist is something that T'Challa's like, oh, we could use it to do this thing that just happens to be exactly what Thanos wanted to have happen, which shows that I think 
even when T'Challa is uh, convincing a villain to change their ways, he still hears what they're saying and yes. like takes that in and says, okay, well, look, I hear you and I don't disagree with your motives. Your execution leaves something to be desired, but hey, here's this thing we can get and then you're going to get all you want. Um, so it's just, it's a great thing. And yeah, Nebula as the femme fatale, awesome. I mean, incredible. And it's almost out of time, do you know, which I find to be interesting yeah. too. Like she's doing something that feels something out of, like, out of, she's almost like Lauren McCall from To Have and Have Not. Like she's just looks like she's something out of the 1940s, yet we're in, we're in 2008, according to the time that's been laid out. Yet it well, so totally works because a bar like that would be timeless. Oh, sorry, and I kind of looked, I looked around to try and see like why they chose that specifically, like why that dress, yeah. why the blonde hair. And I couldn't really find anything, but what I took it as, and I could just be making this up. I could be putting this on it, but a big part of Nebula's story as a character is that she's always trying to please everybody else. Right. And she spends her whole life trying to please Thanos, trying to please this, prove herself. And I think maybe part of the reason they chose this is because it is just so random. Mm -hmm. Like, she wants a pretty dress and to have blonde hair. And she is at a place because of Cha-Cha where she is a fully realized human being who is comfortable just expressing herself and this is what she wants to do. And I was like, all right, cool. Live yeah, your life, girl. And she still has the issues with her dad and she's not going to be making up for, with him anytime soon. She'll do it on her timetable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right, Mike. That's a great point. Uh, all right, let's move on to the rest of the uh, uh, next part of the episode. We cut to T'Challa and Yandu. Later on that night, they're discussing that job and T'Challa eventually convinces him to do it by telling him, hey, you've been stealing coins out of pockets. Let's rob the bank. Let's do this thing here. All right, so that we cut to Nebula and T'Challa coming up with a plan to take this uh, take this on. They we they tell us we're going to nowhere. Remember nowhere where the collector is stationed. The Black Order is apparently doing security there, and Thanos can vouch for how dangerous they are. How kind of Thanos. Yandu and Nebula will pose as sellers is what the plan is. Thanos and Korath will be the distraction, and then T'Challa will fly on in and get the embers. Uh, the, and we cut to the collector greeting Nebula and Yandu as T'Challa slides in there and looks for the embers. He passes all of these people in the cases, and we see that he comes across Howard the Duck. Jamie Kennedy coming back to voice Howard the Duck. Seth uh, Green. Oh, sorry, Seth Green. God, those two, I get them all confused all the time. Anyway, Seth Green. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. He, That's yeah, fair. I mean, come on. I'm not off base there. Right? Yeah, two blowholes, two eye holes. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he, he, he breaks Howard the Duck out after the Howard, Howard the Duck is kind of telling him where to go. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to remember. It shoots him, shoots him out of the cage uh, and expects him to lead him to the embers. But Howard gets gets distracted by a happy hour that's happening because he's thirsty. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, Proxa go Proxima Midnight shows up at the diversion. Diversion was Thanos and uh, Korath having a fight. Uh, Proxima lands there and realizes that it's all a distraction by the Ravagers. Sounds the alarm. The alarm starts to close the doors. Uh, T'Challa takes off, leaving Howard sitting there having his martini and T'Challa running to safer ground. Then his amulet starts to glow and we hear that Black Panther music, you, the little drums, which are so perfect. And then a Wakandan ship starts up right next to him. He sees what it is, sees the Wakandan signal or the plate on the ship, sees his glow, and then it goes inside. But then we see these, uh, what I would call Dora Milaje mannequins that are sitting mm -hmm. there in the pilot seats. It triggers a message and up comes T'Chaka in a holographic message uh, talking about, hey, this is a, a homing beacon. If you if you find him or distress signal, if you find him, please bring him back and leaves a little bit of a message to T'Challa just in case it's T'Challa who's triggered this message. Really affects uh, T'Challa. But, but before he gets too lost in the feelings of seeing his father again after all this time, 
Nebula shows up, and it looks like she has double-crossed him and Yondu to pay off a debt to the Collector. Korath is in the uh, the prison. They get thrown into the cell. Korath is in there as well. T'Challa is upset with Yondu about lying to him. Puts him up against the uh, electronic bars there of the cell. And uh, Yondu defends himself by saying he lied to him because he's an ex- he knows T'Challa is an explorer. And going back, going to the past, would have been the wrong thing for him. Yandu says they are family. T'Challa says they are not his family. They never were. And Korath, who joined the team about two minutes ago, takes it really deeply and his feelings are hurt. And just then, Corvus Glaive comes in and knocks out uh, T'Challa because the Collector is looking for him. Mike, a lot gets revealed here, man. A lot with uh, with uh, Yandu and T'Challa discuss the job, uh, Howard the Duck scene here, and also what we get with uh, T'Challa, the double cross here, and T'Challa finding out in another bit of a double cross, I guess, that Yandu had been lying to him about the destruction of Wakanda and about his people. Um, yeah, really quick on the Yandu T'Challa scene. Uh, yeah. I love in animation just like really gorgeous shots. And mm. the shot of them, uh, they're in that big bay of the main yes. ship, the Ravager ship that we see yeah. in Guardians 2 when Rocket and Groot and Yondu take everybody out. But the way they are, like Yondu's kind of standing by that window and that yeah. window is shining the light in and everything is in shadow and darkness except this light that's just shining right on T'Challa. And mm. it's this beautiful shot as T'Challa is kind of talking about, hey, I know this is dangerous. We got to do the right thing. Like this is the right thing to do. So great scene, but more importantly, like beautiful shot that just visually represents mm. the fact that T'Challa is this ray of light in the in the galaxy, and like that, no matter where he goes, he is this ray of light. Yeah. Um, everything at the Collectors is awesome. I mean, the Collector itself. If you've been to Disney uh, California Adventure and you've ridden the Guardians Escape Ride, the Collector just lends himself to Easter eggs, and they <laughs> definitely make the most of it here. Like everywhere you look, like oh, there's a dark elf. There's Cosmo the space dog. There's this. There's that. Like there's just right. so much to see, and there's so much for them to play with. Um, and Howard the Duck, I mean, who knew this guy? The, Howard the Duck has gotten some real play. I mean, he's he's in the Guardians movies. He showed up in Endgame to help save the day. Yeah. And now here he is in What If, drinking his martinis. And just his whole, even his directions, you know, go past the dark elves and go down here and don't read this and go, like, everything he's doing is great. Uh, and then I think, I might be wrong on this, but I believe the bar where he stops to get his martinis is from yeah. Ragnarok. Pretty sure that oh, Valkyrie yeah. gets a drink at that same bar in Ragnarok, which is yeah. pretty fantastic. Um, and then even when T'Challa goes, uh, when everything goes to shit and uh, the alarms go off and he finds himself in that room where his where his necklace glows, yeah, you see the Wakandan ship. You also see, uh, I think, a Nova Corps ship. I think that Hank Pym's quantum ship is in there. I even think there might be an X-Wing up in the background. Like, there are so many <laughs> ships. Like, yeah, I had to, like, pause and was going through it. So uh, I don't think I got them all. But, like, you just see all these ships. Each one is an Easter egg. And then, yeah, like, he goes in and he finds out. He sees the Dormelage sort of uh, mannequins, which is a great fun detail just to remind you of the fact that the collector isn't collecting these things to like sell them on the black market he's not stripping these things for parts like he just likes collecting things he is literally the ultimate most evil galactic fanboy that there is (laughs) um and and so you see those mannequins and then yeah when he sees his father's recording and realizes that what he thought was true is not true and what's great about that is this is the choice that he has to make like in the in this is the this is what makes this story feel a little bit bigger is that 
up to this point, he's been exploring and we've been enjoying the fact that T'Challa has had this amazingly positive influence on the galaxy. Yeah. But now he has this choice to make because he does have this family in space that has sort of formed around him. And we know that Yondu's a big softy. And when him and Yondu have that confrontation and Yondu says, I did this for you because you want to be an explorer. Well, that's not true. Yondu loves T'Challa and wants T'Challa to be around and doesn't want T'Challa to leave. And so selfishly, he made up this story so that he would have to be T'Challa's only family. I particularly love Taserface being so over the family drama. <laughs> like he is, out, oh, is this about the mission or is this another family thing? Oh, it's another family thing. Um, but yeah, so this is where, you know, ultimately this is a story about a character who has two families and he doesn't know where he fits and he doesn't know where he belongs or what he's going to choose. And we at this point, don't know either because even though we love him in space and love him with the guardians and doing what he's doing we're like well yeah but you're t'challa like you belong in wakanda like that's where you got to be so even we as the audience are kind of having a struggle here on where we want him to be i think that's a great point mike you know what if is fun for us to watch to to look at what could have been right but yeah that desire to see t'challa back in wakanda is so overwhelming when you're watching this. It's almost like, yeah, this is fun and all, but like, when do you bring him back home? Because that's where he really belongs. No matter how much you want to divert him into these what-if storylines, eventually the rubber band has to snap back, bringing him back to Wakanda. That's a great point. Shannon, what would you think of these scenes here combined in, in T'Challa's power and also the, the double cross here that we think is happening uh, and the conf- confrontation with Yondu? Well, you really see that Yondu does care about T'Challa. Like, he does not want to go up against the Collector. He's like, look, this is dangerous. Like, I don't want us to do this. And I love the Robin Hood, Robin Leech mix-up. Like, that's, you know. (laughs) Right. For you you oldies there. (laughs) I mean, the whole 1980, you know, T'Challa was a kid in 1988. I mean, they they would have gotten the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Uh, When they're going through and and the, uh, the heist starts, the fact that they are using the same actress to play Karina, uh, yes. Olivia, Ophelia Levy Bond, um, th- fantastic. I mean, again, it, it makes it makes the Batista issue that much more heartbreaking. It's just like, look, they went. I mean, I- I'm sure she had she was thrilled to reprise this oh, role yeah. from seven years ago. But the fact that they got her, I mean, they didn't need to. They could have gotten they could have gotten any voiceover actress, but the sure. fact that they chose to go to her, I was like, that is what to me makes this show so much fun. Um, you know, ultimately, if, if if an actor is priced out of something or if they're unavailable, like, OK, but what's making it so fun is that they are using her, even this this actress in this this very kind of the smaller role. Mm-hmm. Just just a blast. Um, as uh, T'Challa gets into that hangar ships, I, I paused and I was and I was uh, scanning over them very, very carefully. I saw the Nova ship. There's actually the Grand Master. It's the same class of ship. The Grand Master sort of pleasure vessel from the end of Ragnarok that one was sitting there as well and then when that moment when T'Chaka comes up I mean it's it looks like I like I I don't I think the timeline is actually this would be earlier than than uh Civil War would have been yeah it's 2008 yeah um but he looks older like he Mm -hmm. I feel like this is actually an older looking T'Chaka and maybe him losing his son would have aged him uh I, I mean just so yeah just so heartbreaking the fight outside between Korath and and Thanos I mean I think all the Ravagers are out there but Korath and Thanos were really the funny ones and Korath on him like whoa whoa, I thought this was I thought this was I thought we were faking he's like yeah call me Captain Genocide (laughs) 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 the fact that he screams Captain Genocide 
at the end. So much, just so much fun. I mean, this this is like Marvel at its finest when you can be uh, laughing hysterically one moment and absolutely still the next. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you guys something, and I wonder what the timing of this. And 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 Michael, obviously, you and Shannon, you guys worked in you work in animation, but is I mean, this is interesting now. Peter Quill is not um, Chris Pratt. It's Brian T. Delaney. Uh, Drax is not um, Batista. It's Tattashore. Was this around the time when they wrote that letter protesting James Gunn being removed from Guardians of the Galaxy? Three, I wonder if this was a little bit of an internal punishment that they don't want to talk about out loud. If we find out the rest of the guardians are not going to be voiced other than Karen Gillan, obviously I don't think who's, I don't think she signed that letter. I don't think, I think it was, um, uh, Zoe Zaldana and, um, maybe even, uh, Vin Diesel, uh, and Bradley Cooper. If we find out that they don't voice any of the other care, if they show up and what if here down the road and it's different voice actors, do we think this was a little bit of an internal punishment here for writing that letter? Because, you know, it takes a while for this anime. You guys know it takes years to get an animated series done. So was this possibly around that time? Here, here's I, that, I, that had not occurred to me, and that's certainly possible. Uh, mm. People in Hollywood have... Uh, I, I wouldn't say that that is a level of pettiness that has not been seen in Hollywood, so it's certainly <laughs> possible. Um the other part, though, that I would just point out is in the world of animation, like you don't just have like one week to record, and then if you didn't get them in that week, you're you're screwed. So you're right. You would have had you would have had several opportunities throughout yeah. the record the original recording session, all the way through animatic, all the way up to even like ADR if you really wanted to do it. So that might have been there. There could potentially be truth to that, but if that is true somebody was really sticking to their guns because even once things cooled down, they had ample opportunity where they could have gotten those people in. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I could, I, it hadn't occurred to me. And as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, maybe. But there would have been plenty of time down the road to adjust it. So I don't know. And maybe yeah, they, that, uh, sorry, oh, Shannon, sorry, go ahead, John. maybe they were holding out bec- until James Gunn was reinstated. Maybe and didn't want to do the voiceover work for it. And then by the time it came around, it, they had moved on. And so they kind of save face by being like, you know what? No well, one asked me. You know, that might also be um, it, it could have been the reverse. It could have been the reverse of what you're saying, which is mm. that maybe they they were asked at a time when they were not too happy with Marvel because right. of the James Gunn stuff. And they said, right. like, it wasn't that Marvel or Disney was trying to be punitive, that they still asked them and said, hey, we want you to do this. But they, while they may not say no to the paycheck of Guardians 3, they were happy to say no to the paycheck for what if and say, hey, you know what? Until you figure this shit out, I don't want to do more for you. That that also, that that actually may, maybe seems even a little bit more likely if that's a if that's something that happened. Right. It just occurred to me as you guys were talking about it. Shannon, sorry, go ahead. What were we going to say? Well, no, I was going to say if it was a case that Batista was the only guy who didn't come back. Right. Or, or you know, Pratt was the only guy. But you do have other situations where uh, apparently Brie Larson is not coming back. Tom yeah. Holland I- I isn't isn't providing the voice for Peter. So I think the idea that that th- this was a straight straight up punishment uh, or or that I think there'd be there'd be uh, a credence to the theory if they were the only ones not doing it. Yeah. Um, and if it is a case of what what Vogel had said about that they were basically like, no, we kind of don't we don't want to help you right now. I think Batista probably he seems like a pretty. Uh, straightforward guy. I think that's something he probably would say. 
right. that like at the time when we recorded this, I wasn't happy with him. So I chose not to do it. Um, I, I don't think he would he would float a false narrative out there that he was never asked. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Uh, yeah. And this the letter was signed three years ago. And let me correct myself. It was signed by Chris Pratt and Dave Batista, but it was signed by Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel and Karen Gillan and Sean Gunn, who both voiced their characters in this episode and Michael Rooker. Uh, uh, who also voiced Yondu in this episode. Well, Palm Clementief did not. Uh, we didn't see Mantis in this, but she signed that letter. So maybe my my theory is 100% uh, uh, true there, but I was just throwing it out there to see if maybe that was a possibility. You know what? Odd not to ask. Yeah, It's a great what if, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last section of the episode here. The collector has put... T'Challa in a cage, and T'Challa has a really poignant exchange with him saying, where I come from, it does not turn out well when you put men in cages, which is a really powerful statement. There, the collector is uh, saying that he needs, you know, there's a, a wall, and he wants to put him there on the wall. By the way, the long converse, the long exchanges here with the collector, which is the most we've seen Benicio Del Toro talk as the collector, I think, in any format, extended-wise, he sounds a lot like he has fashioned his speech pattern and approach to things like the ultimate warrior wrestler from the 1980s. Go back <laughs> and watch some of those exchanges with the warrior. Other than the snarl, the pattern is very similar. And his size in this episode, because clearly the collector has been collecting weights uh, and collecting <laughs> muscles, the size of this episode and his hair is almost reminiscent of the Ultimate Warrior from the 1980s. So I'm just throwing it out there. The late, great Ultimate Warrior passed away a few years ago. Just something for you all who are pro wrestling fans. Go back and rewatch this episode and listen to the patterns of how Benicio is talking. And it feels very similar to the Warrior. Uh, anyway, all right. Ebony Maw is assigned to destroy T'Challa after uh, you know, uh, Collector says that uh, T'Challa's great gift is to bore people to death. Uh, we cut to a cell. We go back to the cell and Nebula walks in on Yondu and all, and all of them there. Korath confronts her about betraying his best friend. Then Nebula pulls out her weapon uh, and instead of shooting, Korath turns and shoots uh, Korva's glaive and uh, what I imagine kills him. Korath says, oh, there are two sides to every story. She reveals to the Ravagers the trip across that her and T'Challa had set up together. She leads the Ravagers out and onto a gangplank. She, we find out, has the embers. Uh, just then, we see T'Challa go back. We're back in the cage. We see T'Challa take his amulet, wrap it around his hand and have the claws and then break out of that cage, Maw captures him in midair and puts uh, glass around him as handcuffs and uh, ankle cuffs there. Um, but um, uh, Karina shoots Maw from behind and kills him, and T'Challa escapes. And as he's running, the collector, hiding behind one of the uh, one of the uh, cages, there knocks him down. Then Collector shows him all the different weapons he has to use against him. And I'm sure you gentlemen caught way more than I did, but I saw the cap shield, the Thor hammer, the dagger from the Dark Elves, which he actually uses. And then he pulls out Hela's helmet with the Necro sword. Uh, T'Challa almost escapes from the Collector as he's flinging all these swords or, or blades at him. Uh, but he gets caught and he gets pinned against one of the cages. Mm -hmm. Then we cut to the Ravagers running. Proxima Midnight shows up to stop them. Uh, uh, Thanos turns around, says he's going to fight him. Nebula tries to stop him, says he's crazy. He said, I'm not crazy. A man. Yeah, he takes out everyone uh, and then battles Call Obsidian and Proxima Midnight two-on-one there. Then we cut to Yandu showing up. 
to help T'Challa. Nebula comes back to save him uh, and puts, oh, Nebula comes back to save Thanos and puts the embers in Call's mouth, which sparks this massive vegetation, which takes Proxima Midnight out of there. Yondu is getting his butt kick by the collector. Uh, and then uh, T'Challa comes in. They both try to tag him. The collector get knocked away from him. They come up with using the sticky fingers plan. Yondu jumps in there. Gets punched by the collector in that uh, in that effort, he yanks uh, that arm thingy off the collector, and T'Challa, in a beautiful panel out of a comic book, uh, knocks him with both knees into a cage. Hands the arm thingy to Karina, who opens the other cages, and all the prisoners come after the collector, and he says "Garba" as he's getting consumed by then. Yandu and T'Challa roll to Wakanda, where he is reunited with his father and family. He introduces the Ravagers to the Wakandans. They have some fu- some funny funny discussions as we as the camera pans across the bar. They're all having these exchanges with each other. Then T'Challa, uh, then T'Chaka asks uh, Yandu how T'Challa came to be in his company or in his possession, almost. And uh, Yandu is about to come up with some excuse. But T'Challa saves him and says, I wanted to go farther. I wanted to explore. They showed me that I could do that, uh, which ends in a very sweet way. Then we cut to a Dairy Queen. The Watcher is telling us about this uh, different approach or different uh, uh, timeline now that has sprouted up here. We cut to a Dairy Queen and Peter Quill is mopping the floors. uh, And uh, someone walks in. Peter says, we're closed. And there's Ego, Kurt Russell uh, at the Dairy Queen. Come on, even for your dad. And then we pan out. Uh, and the watcher says, "We may be seeing the end of the world, but that's a story for another time." Um, Shannon, great stuff to end this episode. Fantastic action scenes and all of that, but also an interesting ending that we may come back to later on. Another episode of What If Down the Road. What did you think about this way to? What do you think it's ending rather of uh, this episode? Well, I thought it was funny your your uh, collector ultimate warrior comparison because watching watching the collector, especially when he gets rid of this coat and he's ready to fight, I'm like, this is jacked up Liberace right now. <laughs> I mean, like he's just so he's so flamboyant with his speech. Like he's he's yeah. so much fun to watch. Like there there is a what if there's a what if universe of our world where the collector is one of the main bad guys in the live action oh, yeah. MCU because Benicio del Toro, you can tell, is just having so much fun yeah doing this like even as the alarms sound and he's just like oh the red flashy lights like he's just <laughs> he's such a fun character to watch uh the the moment that yandu joins in the fight and he's got his arrow going and he catches it and crushes it <laughs> i mean it's just it's just so much fun and 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 keeping in with t'challa's character when they're talking about doing sticky fingers and yandu asks oh who's the glue you because you lied <laughs> like that is 100% in keeping with the character, but also still very, very funny. Like yeah. just, uh, just a blast to watch watching Thanos take on the black order. Like we knew from infinity war and Endgame that the black order were tough, but yeah. watching them and granted it's only two of them, but watching, watching them just take Thanos to town until Nebula shows up. I mean, it's just, such a blast to watch. I, I thought it was funny when Nebula initially runs off and says, you'll, you'll, you'll never be able to take him on all by yourself. And it's like, oh, you haven't seen a Infinity War. Yeah, he can. <laughs> when you're using people as projectiles, you know, you're, you're, you're a pretty, you're, you're a pretty, you're a pretty uh, formidable, formidable foe. Yeah. Um, loved the, the embers of Genesis going, <laughs> going in Call Obsidian. Um, 
in my head, I'm just kind of like, oh, I would have liked something even a little more graphic. I want to see the vine come out of his mouth before he <laughs> before he just splits open. But, you know, it's still, it, you know, I guess they're not going to go that violent yet. Um, <laughs> them, them getting down to Wakanda, just such a lovely, lovely reunion. Seeing <laughs> Okoye talk with Thanos, fantastic. Just like, eh, it sounds like genocide. Like, oh, no, no, it's efficient. <laughs> <laughs> and listening to Korath talk to i don't know which wakandan it was but him saying like t'challa is basically my best friend so much fun and then when it cuts over to um the dairy queen like i know the initial uh instinct of the audience like oh this is funny quill's a janitor but there was almost like i had a little bit of sadness it's like oh this this guy you know he uh you know he, he he his one shot that he had to have sort of this crazy adventure of a life he didn't get and then can we all agree that Kurt Russell in animated form looks freaking amazing? Oh my God. Right. <laughs> I mean, he just like uh, uh, that, that is, that is a handsome bearded, bearded animated. Dude. Like, he just, he looks fantastic. I really hope we yeah. get to see ego again oh. at some point during the season. Yeah. Uh, Mikey, what'd you think of this uh, whole way to end the episode? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Did you like the way the, the animation how it went down the action sequence, the way they were choreographed. And then of course, uh, the beautiful moments at the end with Wakanda and then, of course, the kind of sadder moments over the Dairy Queen. Yeah, no, I thought it was all great. Uh, you know, one of the things you had mentioned when uh, when T'Challa is in the cage and he says that thing to the collector about where I come from, yeah. you know, it doesn't do great. What, it struck me that, like, another thing that is true of T'Challa, no matter where it is, and this is largely thanks to what Ryan Coogler did with him and what Marvel did with the Black Panther movie, is yeah. that it makes sense that any T'Challa in any universe is going to... Uh, have opinions on racial justice. You yes. know, that, 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 that is a part of what we expect and what we want out of T'Challa. And even though it was just a small moment, like it was really important that it was there. Also, it was important because of Karina, we literally got to see like at the beginning of the episode where we see that he's already turned Thanos and yeah. he's already converted Yondu and the Ravagers. But in this moment, it very much was that Superman, the movie Miss Tessmacher moment. Like we got to <laughs> see how T'Challa in the moment inspired somebody to step outside of who they were up to that point and make a move that they never would have made without him. So we actually got to see him inspiring in the moment in action, which I thought was really, really great. Um, The the fight was great. Uh, In addition to whether it is, uh, you know, jacked up Liberace or, you know, whoever it was, he looked amazing. The animation was spectacular. And again, like I said, the collector just lends himself to Easter eggs. So, of yeah. course, he has Thor's hammer and Malekith's dagger and Cap's shield. And it looked like he had, like, a piece of Thanos' blade that he fights with. I mean, I was trying to see what else was there. Uh, and then when he puts on Hela's helm, I mean, you're just like, cool. it has the Necroblades. You're like, well, shit. I mean, he it was giving <laughs> me a little bit of, like ultimate superhero drag race vibes because like that is such a i i, I just think of uh hella wearing that thing but i was like okay girl you go for it you you do it um it was a great fight you know you guys mentioned when uh when t'challa sees the ships how we get a little bit of that wakanda theme but when yeah. yondu steps up in this moment to take on the collector with t'challa we get the guardians theme oh and yeah. i just loved in this episode that we got both and they were kind of like going back and forth and it was a little guardians and it was a little black panther and a little guardians and a little black panther 
Um, I really loved the Nebula turn. It was, you know, you expect it, but yeah. sometimes sometimes in a story, the setup and the pitch, even if it's expected, it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. So the, I know that you're okay and you reformed my dad, but I still don't want to have anything to do with him, all the way to, I'm going to go back and help my dad. Right. Most most of us watching it saw that coming. Doesn't mean it wasn't satisfying. Right. Um, so it was just, it was great. It was all fun. You felt really good about it. And then the ending was great. Because like I said, what they set up in this episode was, here is somebody who has two families. He has his found family, and he has his family that he left behind. And when he discovered, the second that he discovers that that family's still there, it's T'Challa. He's always going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So he's not only going to go back to that family, but ultimately, he's going to take his family with him and decide that he doesn't have to decide. Mm-hmm. And what I really loved about that final scene with all the Ravagers talking to all the Wakandans was that it felt like Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, that was the vibe <laughs> that you got. It was a bunch of people. The whole, the extended family was all together. T'Challa has brought them all together. And you kind of get this idea that because T'Challa is T'Challa, this is going to be a bold new thing that's going to work out. The Ravagers and the Wakandans are all going to be friends. And T'Challa is going to reunite with his family and rule over Wakanda. But he's not going to stop exploring the galaxy and inspiring others. And he's probably going to, everyone's going to be better for it because T'Challa is going to T'Challa. And I think that's what was really, really satisfying. The end beat... I, I did feel bad for Peter. I, I, you know, you see him standing there and on the one hand, you're like, yeah, look, if Yondu hadn't picked Peter Quill up, that's probably about all he was going to attain. Like, right. that's pretty much what Peter Quill's life was going to be laid out for him. Um, but then it like, you're like, oh, that's sad. Peter's working at Dairy Queen. And then Ego shows up and you're like, well, now it's worse. <laughs> now, now it's worse. And I really do wonder... You know, like we like we all know that What If is picked up for a season two. So I don't know if this season we're going to see what happens if, you know, Peter meets his dad without having met the Guardians. Yeah. But if we don't see it this season, I have a strong feeling we'll definitely see it next season and see. Because, you know, like without the Guardians there next to him, if all you've had in your life is Dairy Queen and all of a sudden Kurt Russell shows up and says, hey, buddy, you're a celestial. Let's go rule the world. Like, I kind of think you're, the likelihood of you saying no is less. So there's probably a big, big story there. Well, so many changes when T'Challa becomes Star-Lord. So does Star-Lord, does a, sorry, does Peter Quill's mom still die? I don't know. Is she still alive? She's not alive. What's that? So there is stuff to explore here for sure. If they were going to open the door to Peter Quill and if T'Challa stays, because someone's got to take over to run Wakanda. It could be, could be Shuri for sure, but it could also be T'Challa realizing, look, I've seen the galaxy. I'm going to go stay here. How does that change things without having him there to influence yeah. the galaxy overall? It, does Peter Quill slide in at that point and fill that void? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, there's other, you know, they didn't really address this, probably because they have other plans for it or, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't really essential to the story. But what is Gamora's deal? Right. Uh, you know, Gamora's, Gamora's not running around trying to double-cross her dad or kill him because now she would probably have just as good of a relationship with Thanos. As, I mean, yeah. if Nebula has a better relationship with Thanos than Gamora certainly does. Right. Um, you know, Rocket and Groot are probably just off somewhere on their own, uh, pulling their own little heists. I would assume that Peter's mom did die because I don't think Yondu picking him up would have changed things one way or the other on that front. He probably got to spend a little bit more time with her. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that and this, what we're doing right now is why What If works so well and is so fun. Because as soon as you move things around on the board, you can't help but start to wonder and guess about every other piece of it. 
Yeah, and the uh, one last thing I want to bring up, and Shannon, please address all these things as well. Um, how has he collected these weapons? Has he killed the Avengers? Has the Collector done something to the Avengers? And what, that dagger is from the Dark Elf, right? From Thor Dark World. So what did he, does he have the ether? Like, what has he done? What does he have in all these collections? So it's an interesting thing to consider. And was he killed? We don't know if he's killed or if he escapes somehow uh, from all these people coming after him that were in the cages. So this is fascinating to see all the things he's got lined up here. How many of these Avengers are still around? Or do we not even need the Avengers if the child is handling business in the galaxy? That could be crazy as well. Well, it's it's interesting to think like one, I think Peter's mom is not only is she dead, but I don't think he he, he did get to spend any more time with her because she died at the beginning of Guardians. The only thing right, that, is right. that ship isn't there. Right. So right. he he still he still loses his mom at that did point. he run away before she did he run away and then she died while he was out of the hospital room That's well again he he would have run away anyway like he would he, he would have he would have run outside changed. there just would have been no there just would have been there no ship, been no ship. right right no ship waiting for him and in terms of the timeline like if this is 08 uh avengers i guess is supposed to be 2000 2012 um uh, so this is clearly not the same universe as the one that Captain Carter is in because right. she shows up in 2012 with that shield. So if he's got if the collector's got the shield in 2008, that that doesn't match up. So those two, it doesn't seem at least like they're in the same universe. Yeah, good point. Was it 1944 or 42 when Captain Carter's taking place? Because she jumps 70 years into the future. Yeah. So is it 2012 or 2014? That's a great point, Shannon. Uh, sorry, Michael. Yeah, what were you gonna say? No, well, I mean, and as I say, my assumption on all of these is that each episode that we are seeing is a different universe. I don't, mm -hmm. I didn't think that Captain Carter and T'Challa were in the same. I, I do think, and based on some of the trailers that I've been seeing, I'm pretty sure we will see them together. Yeah. But I think if we see them together, it's because of multiverses colliding, not because they're in the same universe or timeline. Mm, interesting. All right. One last thing to show you here. This is the collector. Uh, this is the ultimate warrior. I mean, I'm not off. I'm not off on this. This is also the ultimate warrior's coat, which is a that doesn't have feathers, but I mean, or it doesn't have, but I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out. I mean, there. I, I'm, I'm going to lean. I think I'm, I think I'm more on a, on a beefy Liberace side. I think. <laughs> what? I think I'm on beefy Liberace. He looks nothing like Michael Douglas. Anyway. All right. <laughs> no, he looks like Liberace. <laughs> I wish my brother George was here. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching and this uh, spoiler review of episode two of What If. Any final words, uh, gentlemen, from either of you as we uh, look at episode three coming up next week, uh, which we've already seen teased is uh, has to do with the Avengers and Nick uh, Samuel L. Jackson, rather, forming the Avengers or trying to form the Avengers, Nick Fury does, and something gets in the way. What do you guys think coming out of this episode into the next one? Well, I mean, obviously, these the the What If is a very different show than Loki, than Talking Winter Soldier, oh, yeah. than WandaVision. Um, but thus far, What If is my favorite. Okay. Mike? All right. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thoroughly impressed with the amount of story that they're filling into an episode. And part of that is because there's a shorthand because we already know these stories, so you can yeah. make some bigger jumps or there's certain characters you don't have to spend as much time introducing because we just get who they are right away. Mm -hmm. But I think they're using that to their advantage so that a half an hour episode feels like you're packing a feature's length worth of story in it. And because each one of these is going to be its own universe, I'm, I'm just excited for what happens next. I'm sure that each one of us will have the ones that we like the most, the ones <laughs> that we don't like as much. Like, I think right. that will be, once, we, once all is said and done, we can break down 
down, well, what was the best and what was the least good. But uh, I think as far as setting out to do what they wanted to do with this what if story, based on the past two weeks, they are killing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to the Doctor Strange one when it's coming. So, uh, all right, there you go. That's our review, a spoiler review episode for uh, episode two of What If? What if T'Challa became Star Lord? Hope you enjoyed it, uh, Shannon. What do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies on Instagram at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca. It is at the Roca says. Mikey? Um, one of the things we love about Geek Buddies is we have all kinds of fans. Some of you are Ultimate Warrior type of people. Some <laughs> of you are Liberace type of people. And we're glad that we can all hang out here together. Um, and if you would like to keep doing that and bring even more people to the Geek Buddies family, we would appreciate your help. Here are some things that you can do. You can smash that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Definitely leave us comments. What did we miss? What Easter eggs did we not see? I am sure we did not cover everything. What did you think of T'Challa? What did you think of the ravagers what are you excited about coming up next um if you are listening to us on apple or spotify or uh, anchor or anywhere where podcasts are available please give us some stars please give us some rankings please uh give us some comments it just helps us go up higher and higher so more people can find us and ultimately the best thing that you guys can do as always and you're so wonderful at it is retweet this video post this video on your socials let people know that geek buddies is a cool place to hang out and talk about geeky kinds of stuff there you go. All right. Well, thanks again. And we'll talk to you next time. We're back next week. We, of course, we uh, send Emma five our best for a speedy recovery. Hope she gets back on her feet really soon and joins us next week uh, and uh, resumes her duties as well in her own life uh, to hang out with us later on for the Geek Buddies review for episode three of What If. All right. Y'all be well. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next time with a brand new spoiler review here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.